Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, well, will you turn to our master text today in John chapter 15? It's the same master text that we read out of last week, but I want to revisit this for today's teaching. John 15, the words of the master Jesus. And when you find John 15, would you stand up with me, if you will, as we read this? Let's read together the words of Jesus. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, or your version may say vine dresser. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, as you know, last week we began talking about uh, bearing uh, fruit for the kingdom. And uh, today we're going to continue that theme Uh, with this teaching today that I've entitled Good Fruit and More Good Fruit. So in that passage that we just read, as you remember, God the Father is the vine dresser. And Jesus is the vine, of course, and we are the branches. Now, what the vine dresser is looking for, ladies and gentlemen, from us, the branches, is good fruit and lots of it. You know, no vine dresser wants a small harvest. He wants an abundant harvest. Am I right? So he will coax the branches to get the most abundant harvest possible from those branches. And that's what you and I were created for. Now, in verse 16, if you keep reading, we just read through verse 8 in that passage on 15. But if you keep reading in verse 16, it says, I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. God wants to bear fruit through each and every one of you, fruit that will remain. Now, I want to make a point about this. You know, Jesus hasn't led us to this point in our lives just to make our dreams come true. Do you know why? Because we always dream too small. We always dream too small. See, we're here to fulfill God's dreams. And his dream is that we bring him glory through a remarkably abundant life. I want to say that again. His dream for you is that you bring him glory through a remarkably abundant life. Now, that's where we will find, by the way, our greatest personal fulfillment through a life of significance and through a life of abundant fruitfulness. I want to get that across to you again. Um, We will find our greatest personal fulfillment through a life of significance and a life of abundant fruitfulness in God's kingdom. That's why people, by the way, who 
achieve what the world would deem successful, money, fame, influence. They get to the top, they look around like, is this all there is? And then they get hooked on drugs and alcohol to try to fill the void because they're searching for something that can't be obtained just, just through material goods or success, fame, what have you. We will find our greatest fulfillment through a life of significance and abundant fruitfulness for his kingdom. So when our dreams just revolve around ourselves then, listen, when our dreams just revolve around ourselves, we're dreaming way too small. But when we can start looking outward to other people, that's when we start dreaming like God. Now, you would think that a concept like that, that's so crucial to God's plan, would happen automatically, but it doesn't. You see, for things to really begin producing, the branches have to respond to the care of the vine dresser. And, you know, last week we talked about how God intervenes when our branches are bare and producing no fruit because of sin. You remember that? If you didn't hear that teaching, by the way, that the, last week's teaching sets the stage for this one. So if you didn't hear that, go back and listen to that. And this one today will make more sense. Uh, but you'll get, you'll get something good out of today, even if you didn't hear last week's. So um, once again, last week we talked about how God intervenes when our branches are bare because of sin. But what does God do when our branches look pretty good? But our baskets still have room for even more fruit. Okay, so when you and I are producing some good fruit, God will coax the branches to produce even more. Well, how does he do that? Well, it's probably not the method that you and I would prefer, but it is very effective. It's found there in verse 2 in our master text, and it's pruning. Remember, he said that he will prune us, so to prune means to thin, to reduce, or to cut off. To thin, reduce, or to cut off. And as crazy and contradictory as it might sound, the vine dresser's method for more is actually less. So once again, as crazy and contradictory as it sounds, the vine dresser's method for more is actually less. So here's his purpose for this. His purpose is for you to cut away immature commitments and lesser priorities to make room for even greater abundance. Hallelujah. Now, in keeping with Jesus' analogy of the grapevine, let's refer to a description from a, a gardening report, okay, on pruning to see if we can get a better picture of what God is showing us. So let's read this together. It says, because of the grapevine's tendency to grow so vigorously, a lot of wood must be cut away each year. Grapevines can become so dense that the sun cannot reach into the area where fruit should form. All right, so what is this telling us about Jesus' methods then? Well, Jesus is telling us in John 15, left to itself, a grapevine will always um, always favor new growth of the vine itself over more grapes. And that's what this gardening report is saying. That left to itself, a grapevine will always uh, favor new growth of the wood and the vine versus more grapes. And the result is that from a distance, there looks to be luxurious growth. But up close, there doesn't seem to be much of a grape harvest. 
That's why the vine dresser will cut away unnecessary shoots, no matter how vigorous they are. Because, folks, uh, a vineyard's only purpose is grapes. In fact, you know, a, a pruning is a grower's single most important technique for ensuring uh, an abounding harvest. For the Christian, then, rampant growth represents pruning away all those preoccupations and priorities in our lives that, while not wrong, maybe, are keeping us from a more significant ministry for God. See, without pruning, uh, growing Christians will only be able to produce a, a fraction of their potential. Let me say that again. Without pruning, growing Christians will only be able to live up to a fraction of their potential. For example, you know that I love music and I love playing music. Um, and I think I'm pretty honest, by the way, about my skill level. I think I'm a, an average guitar player. I'm pretty good, but, you know, I'm not amazing. But I'd like to be amazing. And I think I could be amazing with the right investment of time. But what would that get me? Why do I want to be an amazing guitar player over more important things that are more important to my fruitfulness for God's kingdom? See, for me, being an amazing guitar player is attainable, but not necessary for my call. Uh, there's more important things that God wants me to focus on. So let me turn our attention back to you for a moment and let me ask you a question. Um, see, are you asking God for super abundant blessings? Are you asking him to use you more, to make you more like Jesus? Then you are asking for the shears. You got excited about that one, didn't you? <laughs> You're asking for the shears. In studying this, this out, by the way, I learned that an expert pruner applies his skills in four specific ways in order to get more fruit from the branches. First, the first one is the removal of growth that is either already dead or dying. The second one is to make sure sunlight can get to all the fruit-bearing branches, and we talked about that one last week, to increase the size and quality of the fruit, and then fourthly, to encourage new fruit to sprout and grow. And our Heavenly Father is motivated by similar principles, folks. See, to, to, in order to make room uh, for the kind of abundance that he created you and me for, we've first got to cut away parts of our lives that drain precious time and energy away from what's truly important. Did you get it? Okay. I, I want to say that again. To make room for the kind of abundance that God created you for in this world and in his kingdom, he will first cut away certain parts of our lives that drain precious time and energy away from what's truly important. See, his plan for pruning, by the way, is anything but random. Um, he works in each of us very uniquely. So what he might deem very important for me might not be important for you at all. What he judges as very wasteful for you may not be wasteful for me at all and vice versa. So he works in our lives very uniquely, praise God. I want to read some testimonies to you that I found along these lines of some real people that have experienced this in their own lives. And I want, to, want you to hear what they had to say about this. 
So I want to read this to you. Uh, Kyle, who is an airline employee, said this. After I became a Christian, I noticed that my monthly night out with my old crowd from high school began to leave me feeling empty and out of place, so I quit going. Interestingly enough, a few months later, I led one of those guys to the Lord. So through Kyle's dissatisfaction, as my note here, through Kyle's dissatisfaction, God was showing him that an old activity was dead or dying. It took up time and energy giving little in return. When Kyle let go of it, new results quickly showed in its place. You see how that works? Here's another one. Lashana, a mother of four. God has been nudging me to let go of some selfish habits that have been hindering my marriage for a long time. Just accepting the challenge to change felt like pruning to me. But since I've been meeting weekly with an older woman in our church, I'm experiencing new freedom. I'm very thankful, and so is my husband. So here's my note on that one. Lashana's self-oriented behaviors were choking out her ability to bear fruit in her marriage. God wanted more son to reach her key relationship in that marriage and to bear fruit in that marriage. A couple more for you. Jared, a college senior. I had to decide which was more important, the perfect two-hour workout or dedicating more time to our growing campus ministry. And my note, God was inviting Jared to set aside more time to increase the size and quality of the fruit in his life. So something had to give, right? And my last one, Howard, a retired programmer. I thought that I would spend my retirement playing golf and traveling, but God has been showing me that some golden opportunities in short-term mission service. I think it's time to do something new for God, something really outside my comfort zone. So God was looking for more fruit from Howard as well, even in his retirement years. God will never be done with you. As long as you're on this earth and breathing, God will never be done with you. He always wants more fruit from your life. Praise God. So here's a key concept for you this morning. If disciplining, which we talked about last week, if disciplining is about sin, pruning is about self. Boy, I want you to get that. If disciplining is about sin, pruning is about self. And sometimes... Admittedly, it's difficult to discern if what you might be going through right now is the discipline of the Lord or if it's pruning because they're both uncomfortable. All right. So what I want to deal with for the next few minutes here then is differentiating discipline from pruning. Which is it? Well, you'll need to ask the Lord the answer to that question in in your particular situation specifically. But let's just trust that just as any good parent would not discipline a child without saying why, God will do no less. So he wants to guide you, so just seek him for the answer to that question. Now, I want to give you four possibilities of why we go through hard times sometimes and seasons of spiritual dryness. So look on the screen with me. So so determine if the circumstances that you are going through are a result of your own bad choices, because sometimes you can just make dumb choices that get you in a pickle, and it's just because of the natural outflow of those bad choices. You know, it's sowing and reaping. Every action has a reaction, that sort of thing, right? So it could be that. 
It could be a result of ongoing or unaddressed sin. That's where the discipline comes in. And God wants you to pay attention to unaddressed sin in your life. And he may be having you in a season of discipline right now to try to get you to pay attention and change course. The third one is this, a result of the normal aggravations of life that we all have. Sometimes we just have, I mean, sometimes life is just throws us a curve. It's not discipline, it's not pruning. It's just the normal aggravations of life from time to time. Um, but then there's this one, divine intervention. And that relates to our topic today of pruning. Sometimes God, you haven't done anything wrong, you're not in sin, you are bearing fruit, but God wants more fruit, so he will come in with his own divine intervention with the pruning process to try to stimulate more fruit from your life. Are you following this so far? Okay, all right. So then, don't let whatever season you're in right now, whatever circumstances you're in, don't let it go to waste. See, decide that you don't want this season of your life to go to waste. Determine that you're going to learn whatever it is that God wants you to learn. So, acknowledge that God is trying to get your attention. That's the first step. Acknowledge that God's trying to get your attention. And then next, if you conclude that, the, that it's a sin issue that God's trying to discipline you for, well, then repent of whatever it is. And if it involves another person, you may have to go to someone and repent to that person, try to make restitution to that person, right? You know, Jesus said that if you're at the, the, the altar, the temple, and you, you're offering a gift there, and then there you remember that someone has something against you, first be reconciled to that person, leave your gift at the altar, he said, then go be reconciled to that person if possible, and then come back and offer your gift. So, our horizontal relationships are very important to God. If you want your worship to be pure, if you want to worship him in spirit and truth, make sure those horizontal relationships are good. As long as it depends on you, I realize there are some people that don't want to have a good relationship with you. And if that's true, then you go to that person, you try to make things right, and they're not going to have it. Well, at least you've done your part, right? So you're off the hook. But as long as it depends on you, try to be at peace with every person. So you may have to make restitution to some people. I don't know. But the next one is this. If you determine that you're, in a, you're being pruned right now, ask God what he wants you to let go of. Now, this one might hurt because God may want you to let go of something that you really enjoy that's not sinful. But for you, it's taking up too much of your time. And it might even be something good. But for you, it may be something that you might have to shelve for something better. Praise God. Or at least cut back on something. I mean, just let God help you with that. Just evaluate your life right now and the activities in your life and figure out, okay, is this something I need to just shelve or cut back on? I mean, let the Holy Spirit lead you in that because he wants to produce more for you. Whatever you give up for him, he's always got something better that he has in mind for you. Praise the Lord. It's always sowing and reaping. Trust me, I've been doing this for a while. I didn't just like fall into this yesterday. You know, I didn't just wake up last week and say, hey, I think I'm going to be a pastor and tell people how to do it. No, I've lived, this is 30 years of experience. If, if you give up something, God has something better for you in mind, for, for you to bear much fruit. Praise God. All right? Now, I want to talk just for a minute here about misjudging God, which a lot of people do. I'm going to reference Malachi chapter 3 on this point here in a moment. But before I do that, I want to read a letter to you. Um, this is a, a letter 
to a young man. Actually, it's not a letter, sorry. Uh, this is a, a, um, a conversation that was recorded by a young man um, who was estranged to his dad. I mean, they're not totally estranged, but their relationship was strained. This is actually a family right here in Indiana, but this young man you know, grew up and then moved to Memphis, and then the Lord began to deal with him. And so he drove back to Indiana to have a conversation with his dad, and, uh, and this was recorded, uh, written down later. So I want to read to you the gist of this conversation because it makes a point for us today before we jump into this point about misjudging God. Here's what the young man said to his dad. Dad, I didn't understand you for years. I didn't know why you had so many rules for me in high school about parties, TV, chores, driving, money. I didn't like your expectations. I thought you were mean and stupid. I said terrible things about you behind your back. And dad, I'll admit that I hated you at times. But now I see that you were just trying to be a good dad. You only wanted what was best for me. You never gave up or gave in. I came here to apologize for what I have thought and said about you. I was wrong. I know I hurt you very deeply, and I'm sorry. And you know what? I think there's a lot of believers that need to have a similar conversation with God for the same reasons. And that's why I want to read you um, this passage here in a second in Malachi, which kind of drives home the same point. But before we read that, I want to say that it's amazing how God allows himself to be misjudged by us. And we know this happens because Ephesians 4.30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, there's lots of ways that we grieve God, but misjudging him is one of the ways that we grieve him. See, it's difficult to understand God's tender love in the face of our misunderstanding and, and our frequent rejection of him and our unwarranted accusations. Do people really accuse God? Oh, yeah. In fact, that's what the Malachi 3 passage I'm about to read you will show. So let's go ahead and read this together. Verse 13, your words, says God, your words against me have been harsh, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What have we gained by keeping his requirements and walking mournfully before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only do evildoers prosper, they even test God and escape. Yep, people accuse God. But I like what it goes on to say in verse 16. Let's read that together. At that time, those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a scroll of remembrance was written before him regarding those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Now, from the context, I'm not exactly sure if that scroll was written by the people who got together and, and spoke of the things of the Lord, or if that was actually written down in heaven. Well, I do know this much, that there is a book of life in heaven, and if you've made Jesus the Lord, your name's written in it. Right? right? Amen. You know, Samara, Lily, your names are written in that scroll in heaven, the Lamb's Book of Life. Don and Teresa, your names are written in the land. There's a scroll of remembrance in heaven with your names on it. So I kind of think in reading this that there was a scroll of remembrance 
written down in heaven about the people who got together. When everybody else was accusing God, there was a group of people that got together, spoke with one another about how good God is and how they can trust God. And God made note of that and wrote their names down, made note of it. In other words, God, God sees those who make sacrifices for him and he takes note. God saw those of you that participated in our fast and made sacrifices for those 12 days, and he took note. By the way, side note, one of the things that I did not mention at the outset about our fast, for those of you that just did the fast with us for the first time this year, the reason that we do 12 days is each day represents a month of the coming year. That's why we do 12 days. So we want God's blessing and favor to be on every month of of this year coming up, right? And those of you that participated in that, God made note. I believe there was a scroll written down in heaven of Juanita and Gina and Lisa and Phil and all the people that participated in that fast. God's making note of the sacrifices that you made for him. So again, let's read this again. At that time, those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. He's listening to your conversations. So a scroll of remembrance was written before him regarding those who feared the Lord and honored his name. So you don't want to make another point about that. You know, when you begin to doubt uh, God's intentions toward you, it's time to call a faith buddy and say, hey, put me in remembrance of the goodness of God. Right? Hope all of you have a faith buddy that you can rely on along those lines. Call your faith buddy and say, put me in remembrance of the goodness of God. And sometimes you'll need to dial up your own memory. And that's why I think sometimes it's good to keep a journal. You'll need to dial up your own memory and and remind yourself of the, the, the times that God has blessed you abundantly, sometimes in spite of yourself. Right? Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's read also verses uh, 17 through 18. He goes on to say about those people that, that got together to talk about the goodness of God, whose names were written down. He says of them, they will be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On that day when I prepare my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked. You will distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. In other words, you're going to see a a distinction, a dividing line between those who serve God and those who don't. You're going to see it. Praise God. So listen, if your relationship with God has been strained, if your relationship with God has been injured because of things happening that you may not understand. I encourage you to apologize to the Lord today for your attitudes and thoughts. Um, tell God that you have misunderstood his actions and intentions for, uh, toward you and, and, and misjudged his character. Uh, tell him exactly how you have felt and why. Uh, I mean, you can be honest with God, right? He knows anyway. And then ask for his forgiveness. All right, we're almost done. Now, I show you this image on the screen of these uh, uh, grapevines and these long rows of grapevines because I wanted to provide a a mental image for you. 
You know, you may be looking down the, the fence line of your life right now and seeing branches being hacked off and um, feeling assaulted by the various changes that you're seeing in your life right now and maybe even feeling assaulted by God and wondering what to do next. Well, I've got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that God loves you so much that he will never stop tending your life because he's your vine dresser. He's your good shepherd. Even when you misunderstand him, he's never going to stop tending your life. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes I walk into my music room at home and I see all the instruments uh, in that room. At this time in my life, I have more instruments than I've ever had in my entire life. I've been a musician. I started as a musician when I was 14, and now I'm about to turn 57. And boy, those first few years as a musician were pretty lean in terms of what I had available to me to play on. But now I've got all these, all these wonderful instruments at home, a room filled with them, a house with many, many instruments. I have more instruments at my disposal than I've ever had in my whole life, but I find myself now playing less than I ever have. And sometimes I think to myself as I'm in that music room and I look at some of the instruments on the wall and I see that beautiful bass guitar hanging on the wall and I think to myself, man, I wish I had more time to play that beautiful bass guitar or I wish I had more time to take the songs that I've written into the studio and and uh, have another album done at some point. And, but, and, you know, maybe at some point I will do that, but it's just not high on my priority list right now. See, there, there's a season in my life when God was using my music a lot more than he is right now. But that was then, and this is now. Okay? See, he's pruned that back so I can bear fruit in other areas, and that's what he will do for you as well. So don't despise that process, folks. If you're asking God to make you more fruitful, that's exactly what he's going to do. Okay? But you have to be aware of how he's going to bring that about so that you don't misunderstand what's happening. Listen, it's all good. So it's okay to look back from time to time, by the way. It's okay to recall how God has used you in the past and the things that you used to enjoy. That's fine. But this is a new season, and it's time to look forward. So the last point that I want to leave you with, Donna, could you go ahead and come up and play something? The, the last point that I want to leave you with is just a, a reiteration of what I've already spoken to you. God may have you in a season of pruning right now. So just go to him and and ask him the question, Lord, is this discipline? Is this pruning? And if you do an evaluation of your life with the Holy Spirit's help, he will clearly show you what's going on. You'll know. As a matter of fact, some of you listening to, to me today, you already know. Because you've been listening as you've heard me speak, you've been hearing the Holy Spirit speak to your heart, you already know. The Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you. Would you stand with me, please? Isn't God good? You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. 
For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.